Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 216, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, is it a bad idea for states to use their National Guard to fix the teacher shortage? And a really cool story about a school project that sailed across the Atlantic Ocean. Stay with us. Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, our guest has a popular new educational podcast, and his target audience is young. In fact, it's six to ten year olds. We do episodes on anything that a kid might encounter in a in a STEM class, as well as culture and history that's relevant to kids. And we we really make it bite sized, so everything is fifteen minutes or less. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by friend, director of curriculum and instruction, and co-host Christina Pollard. Christina, how are you doing today? I am doing well. So it looks like you're headed out of town. Are you uh, headed to like a school function, a conference or something? I am. I'm headed to a conference. Um, it is tied to a very important company that we work closely with for our core curriculum. Yeah. And we have one of our rock star principals that is presenting. So my superintendent and I and this principal, we are going. We're going to learn a lot while we're there. But we're also going to be there to support her and her presentation um, on how effective her teachers are doing with providing instruction. That's awesome. That sounds like fun and a nice change of pace. You know, it's like, yeah, it's always good to kind of get out of the office a little bit and, and see different things. Hey, when you were in um, school as a youngster, or you maybe even did this as a teacher or a principal, did you ever do the thing with uh, the balloons where you like take a note and you tie it to the balloon and then you launch like hundreds of balloons and see if anybody like gets their note? Absolutely. <laughs> I always wanted to do that as a student and I never like I would watch other classes do it and I'd be like, man, I want to do that. Um, I saw a story. Funny. I saw a story on NPR recently and it was kind of like that, but maybe even better on steroids. Did you see the story about the boat? No, tell me about it. Okay. So these kids in New Hampshire, um, middle schoolers back in 2020, it was like late October. They kind of through the pandemic and remotely like everyone started kind of working on this boat like with a keel and a and a sail it was small i mean i guess if i'm trying to guess it's probably about the size of a person right like it's not it's not that big for a boat but then they like found a company to go launch it in the gulf stream and they packed it kind of like a time capsule they put a bunch of stuff in there from their class like representing different things and they sent it on their way back in october 2020 well recently Somebody found it. Like it was being tracked by GPS for months and they would get like pings in different parts of the Atlantic Ocean. And then recently it pinged up near, um, it was Norway. And so they knew nobody lived on the island, but they reached out to somebody like in the town and then they posted it on their Facebook page. Like, can anyone get this boat? And there happened to be um, somebody who had a boat that could get to the island and was also tied to like a sixth grade class. So they went out and got the what was left of the boat um, and brought everything back and then I guess communicated with the class. And I just thought that's so cool when you when you hear so about they classes. informed them that they actually located it 
And so these kids are probably ecstatic. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, because it was like, here you get this thing from the United States that traveled across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, it still had, it had like barnacles all over it. Like there's a picture of it. I'll, I'll link to in the show notes to it. It's pretty neat. It's a cool story. But do you know how awesome that is? When we, when we took, I remember when we were in school, we um, put messages inside of balloons. Mm-hmm. Just, um, I think it was a time for us to just send something positive out into the world. Right. And you wonder where do they end up? Where do they land? Does somebody ever get your message? So I think it's so awesome that 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 person was able to get back in touch with those children and for them, for them to actually know just how far it went. And and there also is a good science lesson here about the Gulf Stream and like the importance of it yeah. in terms of moving water. Um, and, and really, there's actually an even a deeper climate change lesson that you mm-hmm. could tie into there because the Gulf Stream may be disrupted by melting glaciers up in the North Pole. So it's just like you could do a lot with this, but uh, it's yeah. pretty cool to think that you can just launch a boat and it's going to make it all the way across the Atlantic without anyone really steering it. I, I will say by the time it got there, the keel and the sail were like completely broken. There wasn't a whole lot left of the boat, but the GPS was there as well as some of the things that were packed along with it. So just thinking about the materials also, mm-hmm. um, you know, breaking that down That's even further to see what what was, you know, what lasted, what may have, if it fell apart, how did that happen? Having all of those conversations after the fact when they received the pictures. Yeah. Um, and then also to think about, well, oh, did it end up with any algae on it? Did any part of it disintegrate? You know, all those. And then why? And that's a good point because I like I know what a barnacle is, but I I guess I always thought like barnacles would take like 10, 20, 30 years to start like growing mm-hmm. stuff. This thing's like covered in it. And I don't know. I'll see. It was October 2020. And let me see what day they found it. But even right. with the fact that you mentioned climate change, you know, that right. impacts our air, that impacts our water, that impacts our weather. So it looks like they got the ping from the GPS January 30th. And so they must have picked it up wow. like sometime this month. So it was less than two years, but uh, still really, really cool story. Um, Inspirational, really. I know it is. Uh, there's another story that, you know, I think you've probably heard some of these headlines um, that kind of caught my eye. And I I want a educator's perspective on this because <laughs> it is no it's not too controversial but it's just like the the headline is new twist in pandemics impact on schools substitutes and camouflage and it's talking about how the national guard is being called on in some states to actually step in and act as subs um where they are having teacher shortages this particular story yeah. comes out like about an hour away from albuquerque in new mexico um, it's real yeah and so new mexico um national guard apparently is the only one to actually be a substitute so far, but there have been other states. Um, Massachusetts has um, called on them to be bus drivers with the National Guard, and there were like police officers in one Oklahoma city that served as subs. So wow. I, I guess first, my first thing is like you said, it's real. You kind of answered what I was going to ask. Like, do you, do you see it coming to this in Mississippi, or are you hanging in there? I don't know if that's going to hit us the same. I mean, we have to look at those areas and, you know, compare their population, um, the size of the school building when it comes to the student demographics to see just, you know, how difficult it is and 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 what their um, economy is like. And But here it is a struggle. 
Um, we've noticed over the last few years that our number of options for substitutes has slowly begun to, um, you know, decline. However, we have not gotten in the predicament where we need to call on the military or bus drivers or anything like that. I think that principals across the state of Mississippi are being very creative with class coverage. Um, it's harder for the younger children because the skills that they need to learn, you know, you you can't just sub your way through that. No, of course um, not. Then on the yeah, on the secondary levels, there's a lot of different options to play with in regard to how you resize the classes and, you know, just making do where you can. My question is, how long are they subbing? Um, to what extent? What materials are being provided for them? Because let's just say if they're in the military, they definitely have a high school diploma right. and they took an ASVAB exam or something. Um to qualify them for that branch. So basic information would be able to be provided, I'm sure. But when you start getting into specialty areas, that's where I see um, the crutch. Yeah, well, I agree. It, it cannot be a long-term fix. I mean, it's it's hard to just walk into a classroom and teach if you've never really done it before. I think there's some pros. Like it says that um, one of the people who was subbing was a lieutenant colonel and um, the superintendent allowed her allows her to wear her uniform. And I think... In a lot of ways, some of the kids that's awesome. Yeah, kind of look up to that, and I think that's you know maybe it could be a positive message. Uh, it probably impacts behavior in a positive way, right? Um, <laughs> no doubt, and and you know yeah, you're seeing this this strong woman in, in a position of leadership in the classroom. I think that's good, uh, but you have in this story they say dozens of soldiers and airmen, so it's not we're not talking hundreds, but but still it shows that it's something that needs to happen. On the flip side, it says that. There have been some people who have been kind of concerned with it, and there's been some mixed reactions. And And I, I didn't really look at this way until I started kind of thinking about it from another perspective. It says, some teachers see it as a slight against the profession and a way to avoid tackling longstanding problems with things like low teacher pay. And and I started to think like, all right, so if if you work at a factory and there's a strike and then a bunch of people come in to kind of, you know, fill those positions and almost try to push back against a strike. They call them scabs, I think, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Is this kind of the same thing? Is this a state using its its power to almost say, well, we're not going to address teacher pay. We're going to get through this. Uh, I would have to disagree because the teachers are not on strike. Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of factors affecting teachers being in the classroom. One, yes, we know that our numbers are declining for the profession itself, but we're in a pandemic still. Mm -hmm. And there were major surges at different times of the year that seriously impacted staffing um, in schools all across the country. And that's what I really think that they are addressing. However, when you think about the numbers continuing to decline, but we see, you know, in some areas, increases in the student population within schools, then it definitely becomes a, a major issue for them to address. But I will say this, there is absolutely nothing. And I want to make sure all of our listeners hear me. There is absolutely nothing and no one that can replace a highly qualified right. teacher. Yeah, I just, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm trying to kind of think it from both sides. I mean, I would not, I guess if we're on the same page, it's okay for the state to do this as a Band-Aid fix, a temporary fix to get through this just, time. We just can't just do Just for temporary, it yeah. cannot become a permanent thing because then you actually diminish the importance mm -hmm. of the military. We need them to do what they're supposed to do as military. We need our policemen on the streets protecting and serving. And in regard to our bus drivers, if we're not going to compensate them the way we compensate subs, 
then we don't really need to start that that either. And then we have to think about, you know, um, a lot of the things that we require for people to be able to teach. And to be honest with you, what we require for people to be eligible to substitute. And that also varies across the country. Yeah. And I, I do. I think we've kind of covered ideas like this in the past. I feel like there should be a more qualified substitute pool, like a certified Mm -hmm. substitute pool, if that's a thing, um, where it's like, oh, I need a long-term sub, not a one-day sub, and this person maybe has better credentials or qualifications or Mm -hmm. is on track to be a teacher. Um, But yeah, I I keep going back in my mind to the story that we covered at the turn of the year, the one where the guy was predicting the fact that we could see a mass teacher exodus, and then it could only compound next year just because teachers are fed up with the shortage you know mm-hmm. and i worry that states will try to fix the problem like this rather than maybe fixing it in the appropriate way like addressing flexibility and pay i don't know i agree i've got a pretty amazing uh bright idea this week it is um tied to i don't know if you've ever happened to catch a show on netflix you, your kids aren't as young as mine but it's called brainchild have you seen this I have. <laughs> you have? Okay. So this is the the producer, like one of the co-creators of Brainchild, and he's now got a podcast that targets kids in the elementary school setting, like ages six to 10. Are you ready for that? I'm excited about it. Let's roll. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment has created an incredible podcast titled Who Smarted? and it's designed to make learning digestible and fun for the little ones, elementary school students. But this is not the first hit project he's had in the student education space. Jerry Colbert is also the co-creator of the hit Netflix show Brainchild, and before that, Brain Games. Jerry, it's a pleasure to have you on Class Dismissed. Likewise, it's a real pleasure to be here. Uh, First off, I got to say, if anyone hasn't seen Brainchild yet, you need to go watch it. What a TV show. My six-year-old loves it. Uh, I mean, we've watched the season over and over again. And I'll I'll tell you this about the type of show it is. It's the type of show that your child puts on the TV and you're like, you know, cooking in the kitchen. And next thing you know, you're into this show. Like you can't help but watch Mm -hmm. it. And then I had family over um, around Christmas and I was like, hey, you guys got to watch the show. The room was quiet. I had all these adults watching an episode of Brainchild. In the, I, mean, I can't get it, everyone <laughs> quiet in the room during the Super Bowl. But for whatever reason, this show just like pulls people in. I mean, kudos to y'all and what you did with that show. Check it out on Netflix. I mean, you've got to be proud of that, right? Very, very proud of that show. Yeah, the whole the whole team uh, did an incredible job, and that that was our our goal going into any any kind of children's show is we want to make children's show that uh, uh, parents don't find annoying and and hopefully actually enjoy watching because a lot of a lot of stuff that kids love is just you know you just parents want to like cover their ears and claw their eyes out when they're right. watching it. So um, it's real, real, really gratifying to hear that you know you're loving it and your family loved it. Yeah. And, and I mean, as you watch it and I mean, I'm learning a lot. Like, so my six year old's learning, but there's things that I didn't know that you guys, you know, in terms of like memory or maybe, I mean, you did an episode on germs and I think you probably recorded this pre pandemic. Um, but it was also very informative about like germs and bacteria and clean surfaces and so forth. That one was great. Um, mm-hmm. and I think what you're doing now, uh, with your current project, who smarted the podcast, um, it's it's kind of similar in the way you're kind of reaching out the children, right, and making it fun. Absolutely. In fact, uh, who smarted 
grew directly out of out of Brainchild. Um, you know, we had a wonderful time making Brainchild and a great time working with Netflix on it. And we ended up not doing a, a second season of that show, but we had so much content and we'd, we'd done so much research uh, with educators and with kids on how to make learning fun that when the pandemic happened and we knew everybody was, you know, sitting and staring at screens all day, we were like, can we make a podcast that takes you know, all the DNA of Brainchild and all the fun of learning and and makes it accessible in an audio format for kids. And and that is that is how Who Smarted was born. Okay, and I'm I'm gonna ask the immature question. Is, is Who Smarted kind of a playoff of like Who Farted? Is that is that is that what you're going for? Oh my then? god. Yeah. I, I I I oh my god, I never I never noticed. It's huh. not? Okay. So I'm the no, immature. Of course one. it is. Of okay. course it is. Okay. Of course yeah, yeah. it is. Okay, good. You, you totally have me there. No, we're, I thought no, I was probably, a weirdo. <laughs> No, no, we uh, we are all inner six year olds over here at Atomic, and you know, like we know our audience, and we thought that was a really fun title. The kids would get a kick out of it, um, and I think they do. <laughs> well, know, and we get and to I say think- things like we, we we love that your families are your families all smarting together. You know, it's uh, it's it's just it's a fun pun. Okay, so so tell our our listeners, um, which is mostly K through twelve educators, um. Like, give me some topics that you cover. And these are, I'll say, digestible topics that you do in like 10 to 15 minutes. Um, but just throw out some like if, if a, one of their students goes over to the listening section, throws on the earphones, listens to Who Smarted, what are they going to be learning about? Sure. So we've done everything from covering gravity to microwaves. Uh, we've done episodes on uh, Madame Curie. We've done episodes on all kinds of food like broccoli and... Um, We've done episodes on history. We do episodes on anything that a kid might encounter in a, in a STEM class, as well as culture and history that's relevant to kids. And um, as you said, you know, we, we really make it bite-sized. So everything is 15 minutes or less. And um, yeah, man, we've done, I mean, we've done 200 episodes at this point. So yeah, you're really churning them out like three days a week, two or three days a week, aren't you? Yes, we do three, three days a week. And um We've been doing that since the beginning and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fast cadence for us, but we found that, you know, because kids consume media so quickly, uh, that it's been a way to just become a fixture in their lives and, and something that they keep asking for and going back to. So, um, we, we've kept it up. I have a pretty good understanding of video production and audio production. Uh, this is a well-produced podcast that's um, great for kids because there's lots of sound effects and music and, and that's constantly interwoven throughout the entire episode. Psst. Hey, smarty pants. Did you know that you're mysterious? It's true. How so, you ask? Well, there's something you do, maybe a little, maybe a lot, that's quite mysterious. In fact, it's not just you that does it. Pretty much every human being who has ever walked the planet, including everyone you know, has done it at some point in their life. Any idea what I'm talking about? Here's a hint. <laughs> Did you say crying? You must have a team of people helping you because I can't imagine churning out that content with just one or two people. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, 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 have, a, we have a great team. I mean, we, it's actually... Mostly the team is is people who worked on either Brain Games or Brainchild um, who who love working with us and we love working with them. So, you know, we've writers, we've educators, um, our actors are all over the country working. You know, everyone's working remotely still. Um, so we probably have, gosh, uh, around two dozen people working on the project. And then um, our main audio engineer, Josh, is here in, in Brooklyn. And then his uh, helper, Max, is over in, uh, in I think, in Copenhagen now. So everyone's wow. scattered around. But we figured out how to make this um, 
remotely and and with with a, a great team of people. Yeah, we live in this great time where you can probably just cut stuff, share files, you know, piece it all together. Um, I mean, I guess I envision this for me as like if I was a, in the classroom and I had elementary school students, it's like, all right, the the classwork is done. Students are finishing at different times. Um, for those students that maybe finish a little early, like, hey, go over here and listen to an episode and answer this maybe, you know, five question quiz that goes along with it, almost like reading an AR book, except you're listening to a podcast. Is that how do you envision students digesting this? So we, we've definitely heard of teachers uh, using it that way. Um, we know that uh, we have a huge, you know, we have like, I think, 10,000 plus homeschool families that are uh, using the podcast um, in their homes and using it as conversation starter around STEM topics. And we're hearing from a lot of educators that they're using it at the beginning of a class as a, as a kickstarter into a topic mm-hmm. because the episodes do this kind of very uh, 100,000 foot introduction. So we know that you know people have used our sleep episode to talk about sleep and dreaming. We know that they've used our. Um, we have an episode that we did on um, your nose and your and smell that we know teachers have used to kick off conversation around um, the you know the olfactory system. So we we hear it getting used a lot as a, a a way to get the kids hooked into a topic that might be a little challenging, and then it becomes a conversation starter that leads into whatever the the planned curriculum is. No. You correct me if I'm wrong. You're were you a co-producer of Queer Eye? No, I was not a co-producer, but I was the uh, line producer okay. of the original um, uh, fifty uh, episodes. Like back in, gosh, it was that like two thousand three. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I was there. I was there from the from the very beginning. I was a I was like a production accountant, and then I became the line producer. Of That's that really cool. So, all right, so you you know TV, and you've had success in TV with that, and of course, mm-hmm. Brainchild and Brain Games. Um, why were you like, I'm going to do a podcast instead? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, I love, I've always loved audio. Like when I was in high school, even in junior high, I used to make like, I used to be on like the junior high radio. Uh, I would make like little radio programs. I think audio allows a connection between the listener um, and the content that is a little more special in some ways than, than television. And, and by that, I mean, because you're not seeing the visuals, it actually engages your imagination in a way that you you might not engage if you're watching television. Because television, we fill in you know every gap. You've got video, you've got audio. It's music. It's all there. Um, the other thing with audio is that, especially for for these kind of educational bits, it's just easier for a parent if they want to throw something on in the 15 minute they're driving to school or right before bed. If a teacher wants to use it in the class, it's just it's simpler. Uh, as a technology, uh, than bringing in a, a video and everything like that. Um, and the, the last thing we found uh, when we were researching before we started making Who Smarted, we found a lot of research that shows that children are able to comprehend at a grade level as much as two to three grades higher with audio than hmm. with text. Wow! And it's because they're co- your conversational skills develop a little faster than your your reading skills at that age. So that was a really interesting information. And then there's also a lot of research that shows that children are much more likely to engage in conversation around a topic if they encounter it in a conversation or audio format rather than a textbook. So all of that was just like signals to us saying, you know what, let's let's try making an audio podcast for kids um, that that builds on all of that research and all of the fun that we think can be had in audio. Um, and uh, and that's that is why we started it. Plus, it was the pandemic and we couldn't shoot any TV shows. That's a good point. Uh, when we started this. So we were we were just like, 
well, we have all this talent and, and this ability. Let's let's do something with it. So that was the final impetus for it was the fact that we we literally couldn't shoot TV shows for for most of the the first year of the pandemic. Well, and, and as I mentioned, I mean, you're experienced. You you have a history of, of doing this type of entertainment. You must have already done some background research into like, all right, is this market being targeted yet? Did you see a lot of people really targeting? I mean, what what age are you targeting? Targeting like six to ten. That's exactly the age range is okay. six to 10. And no, we, we saw almost nobody um, creating audio for that age group. And um, part of the reason for that is it's, it's a very challenging age group to sell advertising against for, you know, logistical and, and ethical reasons, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're making something you want to use in a classroom or, or trusted in, in a home. And so when we started this project, it wasn't, it was never with the goal, you know, who smarter wasn't started to become, you know, a big money-making opportunity for Atomic. It was really just for the fun of, of creating this podcast for, for kids and families to use. And so once by, by sort of taking the being not worried about advertising revenue out of the equation, it let us just go nuts and, and have fun. And um, no, there's, there's really only uh, two or three other podcasts in this space that I would say are, are doing education well. Uh, and, and fun for this age group. And none of them are coming out with the frequency that, that we do. All right. So, Jerry, you're, you're the voice of the show, at least maybe not the, all the, like you said, you have some actors and sound effects and like different actors that kind of come in, but you're, you're the narrator, right? I, I am the trusty narrator. And, and so what is your favorite episode you've recorded so far? Oh, um, is that hard? Is I, it like picking your kids? No, it's funny you asked that because I actually just recorded it. Um, and I don't know if it's come out yet. Uh, I listened to a few. I, I really enjoyed the seatbelts episode. I don't I think, think I saw the seatbelt one in there. The most recent one. I don't think one. it's come out yet. Okay. All right. But listen, if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have told you it was the Do Animals Cry episode. That was the uh, one I, I think that changed very recently. Month. Yeah. Do Animals Cry, yeah. which I found really interesting because I didn't realize that we're, as humans, I guess we're the only ones that cry for because of our feelings, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 Throughout your life, You'll shed tears about two to four times a month on average. Maybe you did some crying today or earlier in the week. Maybe you're doing it right now. (laughs) I hope you're not crying now. It's hard to cry and smart at the same time. But the truth is, we could all use a good cry every now and then, right? Now, I know what you're thinking. Crying is for babies. (laughs) But it's also for when you're really sad or upset. Oh, no. I can't believe my favorite team is going to lose the game. But strangely enough, you might also cry when you're happy. Oh, man. What a comeback. We won. We won. I'm so happy. You might cry if you're in pain, like getting a shot from the doctor. Ow. That hurt. (laughs) Oh, can I get a lollipop? Or if you get and I, I enjoyed that one. I liked the script, and I also it was the first time they made me uh, the writers made me cry uh, on 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 uh, on the microphone. Like so, I <laughs> fake <laughs> so that cry. Was fun. Were you actually like you had to uh, dig down and, and think of something sad? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you whether I was fake crying or real crying. I think you should listen to it and see. No, I was. Um, I was fake crying, but I think I did a pretty good job. <laughs> well, um, and tell me about the seatbelt. What can we look forward to without giving it away? Well, seatbelts was really interesting because I didn't know the history of seatbelts and um, the, the the fact that seatbelts didn't really become mandated until pretty deep into the existence of cars was, was really mind-blowing. Um, and it gets into the technology of seatbelts and, and why they're so important. And, you know, for me, like, that's a, it was, the script was great. I mean, most, 
I really love all of our scripts, but that I really enjoyed that script. And I like the fact that we were able to talk about um, history and science and also deliver an important message for, for kids safety about wearing seatbelts, you know, all, all in, in this very fun episode. When you're building a, a podcast like this, who are the students that you're hoping to reach? Is it the already curious student or is it maybe the kid that has trouble learning out of a book? Is that kind of your, your driving force? We are always, always aiming all of our projects at the person who is who would consider themselves or be considered unlikely to like the show based on the fact that they say they're not into science or they have struggled with science or, or anything like that. So um, we know that the kids who are already into science and curious, they're going to come along with us. Um, same thing when we did brain games. We knew that adults who are already into neuroscience and the human brain, they're going to watch. You know, they're they're going to come because they're curious. We're always thinking of how do we get to the people who, you know, don't think that they're into neuroscience or how do we get to the kids who don't think that they're science, uh, science kids? That's who we're always, always thinking of 100 um, percent. We we just we just want to have impact there. We want to expose kids who thought they they struggle with science or aren't into science. We want to get them excited about science. And all of a sudden they're, you know, we get, in fact, we get, we get letters and um, messages all the time from parents saying that like their, their, their two teenage girls are, are now listening to our podcast and now they're interested in science where they weren't before. Like that's to great. us, that is like, that's the ultimate like feedback and, and win for us is, is that. So, well, yeah. And I mean, just to kind of back you up on that, I'm, I'm going to read some of the titles, which video game character has appeared in the most games, right? So if you have this kid that just wants to play video games, like you might find that interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are gummy bears made out of, um, you know, mm-hmm. for the kid that loves sugar or kind of going off of who smarted in, in the name? Why do people laugh at farts? Like, you know, mm-hmm. so if you maybe have this, you know, young seven, eight year old boy who thinks farts are funny, you know, they might find that that episode entertaining, right? Yeah. And and then that episode also gets into, you know, what it really is about is why why we laugh at all. And and all of a sudden they you got them in from that title, but now they're learning about how the brain works, they're learning about emotional triggers, they're learning about social cues. So it's all, you know, it's all in there, but you they're coming in for the uh for the fart jokes. Man, uh, Jerry, I tell you what, I love what you guys are doing. I mean, there's so much, I'm going to just go ahead and say it, trash out there in the world of entertainment, uh, or even just go to like YouTube kids. Like, I don't know. I, I Sometimes I'm listening to my my daughter watch kids play video games. I'm like, oh, come on, we got we to gotta do something else. This is like good quality content that's, you know, where people can learn, not just kids. Um, so, I mean, again, just really kudos to you, what you've done with this show, um, Who Smarted, as well as Brainchild and Brain Game. So if you haven't watched uh, Brainchild on Netflix, like it's it's there. Um, and if you have anyone who's, I don't know, I would say any kid, um, just turn it on, give it a shot. You're going to love it. And then, of course, check out uh, Who Smarted as well. If somebody wants to listen to Who Smarted, um, is it just like wherever podcasts are or should they go to a specific Spotify or Apple? How's that work? No, they... You can get uh, we've we've made sure that Who Smarted is available on any podcast app. It's also at our website, whosmarted.com. If you don't use podcast apps, you can listen to the episodes uh, right there on our website. Uh, I wish you guys the best of uh, luck and success with the show. I mean, are you guys in for the long haul? Or are you all just going to keep turning these out? Oh, yeah, we are. We're not going anywhere. We're we're having a great time doing it. And, and the more feedback we get from the audience, the, the more excited we are to keep doing it. You, you um, I got to ask you, though, I mean, you've always been behind the scenes and now you're front and center. Like, how do you feel about that so far? Um, I, I'm fine with it. It was it was a bit of an accident uh, because I did the, the demo episode and everybody was like, oh, you should just keep doing them. Um, and, you know, I 
little did I know that the show was going to blow up as it has, but I'm, I'm actually having fun doing it. I, I, I like being the voice of the show and I feel like the show is written in sort of the, 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 the way I would speak to, to kids and want to teach them anyways. So yeah, I'm into it. Check out Who Smarted on anywhere podcasts are available. You're uh, listening to uh, Jerry Colber and uh, Jerry, are you ready for our pop quiz? I am. All right. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Geometry. I don't know that anyone's ever said geometry. At least it's been a while. We've done hundreds of episodes. Why, why geometry? I think geometry is awesome because when you start talking about geometry and looking around the room and how shapes are everywhere and how they fit together, it becomes a real um, entry point into how science kind of lays on top of everything that you see. What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Critical thinking. What does every child deserve? A chance to do what they're best at. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Competing with the amount of entertainment and information that children are consuming constantly and uh, making their classrooms uh, as interesting as possible. What's the best gift to give an educator? A vacation. Which teacher? <laughs> I mean, it's true. Um, or, or, or a trophy. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Uh, we've, First, yeah, we've been having yeah. discussions like, how do you make teachers' lives, you know, all of us want a more flexible work environment, right? Like, we want to be able yeah. to run to the doctor or work from home or wash our clothes in between, oh, yeah. you know, stuff. It's like, how, how can we ever give no, teachers uh, that? I don't know the answer. I honestly, I, I said after the pandemic that um, they should be erecting statues of teachers in every uh square in every american city i mean no, the no doubt teachers are going through right now is is insane and they're incredible which teacher changed your life oh man i had so many um mr warren i'm gonna go with mr warren my english teacher in high school um who was supposed to teach us ap english which we all thought was going to be you know deep dives into shakespeare and instead used the beatles iggy pop and don mclean all this classic rock um as our curriculum and had us do uh, deep dives into that and that really made me understand how you know how culture could be relevant in a classroom that's really powerful for you to say that because that's kind of the feel i get from a lot of your your work is the same way it's like all right how can Mm -hmm. we make this boring topic relevant and interesting so wow so i guess he deserves the credit right (laughs) or at least some of it he's definitely a big part of it yeah right all right and last question which book did you recently read love and want to recommend to our listeners I read this book called um, In Praise of Slowness mm-hmm. by Carl Honore, H-O-N-O-R-E. Um, that was all about finding ways to slow down in a culture that is all about speed. Wow. I'm going to have to check that one out. I think a lot of people, you know, feel that, feel that way. Is it almost like a, is it like a Buddhist background to it or is it, or would you say... Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that there's an obviously. I mean, he might be Buddhist. It was more yeah. about just finding ways to uh, finding moments of, of slowness and stillness um, in your life without it being very, you know, overly sp- spiritualized or, or ritualized. Yeah, it looks like he's got some TED talks and stuff out there as well. Uh, definitely gonna have to check that one out again. It was uh, in praise of slowness. If anybody wants to catch that one. Uh, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us. And really, I wish you the best of luck with the show. It's so good. Uh, great for teachers to introduce to their students or just parents uh, to introduce to their children.
Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. We're, we, we love what you guys are doing as well and, and uh, appreciate any, any help that anyone can offer to educators is, is, uh, is fantastic. So thank, thank you so much. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismissed. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina, representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed. Thank you.